Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Opponents Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Vince D'Addario, and I am the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown. So Notre Dame's coming off a fairly convincing 42-26 win over the Florida State Seminoles. The, for all of you uh, degenerate gamblers out there, they did not cover, so I'm sure the fourth and goal uh, was uh, not the play you were looking for. Uh, but uh, they did win 42-26, to and uh, we have all kinds of breakdown stories over on irishbreakdown.com as well as our breakdown podcast, which was, which was published on Monday. So make sure you head on over and, and take a look at all the latest info that we have for you. Today, we are going to talk about the next game on the Irish schedule, which happens to be the Cardinals of Louisville. And Louisville comes to South Bend for yet another home game for Notre Dame. They haven't been on the road yet. Uh, it's going to be a 2.30 kickoff inside Notre Dame Stadium. And so make sure you log into irishbreakdown.com for up-to-the-minute you know, updates prior to, during, following the game. We'll have uh, breakdowns of the press conference and highlights of that nature as well. Uh, as well as Brian, Brian and my thoughts uh, going on during the game. So make sure you stay locked in over there. But with me today to talk about the Cardinals is Jeremy Waman. Did I pronounce that right, Jeremy? First of all, you, you did, and and that's very very rare. So I already could, I already feel like this is going to be great. This is a great like one of probably only ten people my whole life that, that has pronounced that correctly. Well, so I feel good. Uh, it, it's probably my teaching background. I've pronounced a lot of names, butchered most, uh, but I'm glad <laughs> I got yours right. But uh, you're the editor at CardinalSportsZone.com, and you're the host of the CSZ podcast. Um, yes, and uh, I probably should have asked you how to pronounce your name prior to the podcast, but I'm glad I got it right. No, and- it's better this. It's better this way <laughs> because now I can be impressed, uh, there you and go. Uh, and everybody else. So there no, you go. I, I, I appreciate you. It's a pleasure to be on. So. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you. How are things uh, down in your neck of the woods uh, this this fine afternoon? Well, it's it's kind of cool outside. It's uh, we got a lot of stuff going on in Louisville right now. I'm sure everybody's heard. Uh, so we are just we're we're sitting here four games into the season, and we're just kind of confused as to why the results have been the way they have been. But other than that, it, it's a good day. <laughs> And uh, I couldn't ask for any more. That's awesome. That is fantastic. So thanks for joining us. Let's mm-hmm. let's kind of jump into the program and, and kind of how it, it sits right now. Second year for Scott Satterfield. Um, great year last year, frankly. I think they probably, you know, maybe some outsiders that probably did better than some people assumed that they would do. Um, but uh, you're right. After four games, probably some head shaking going on down in your neck of the woods. I would have, I would imagine. So, just kind of give us a lowdown as to you know the state of the program and, and where things sit uh, prior to the Notre Dame game. Well, that just depends on who you ask. If you ask all the Twitter experts, we uh, <laughs> we should be undefeated, and, and since we're not, uh, Coach Satterfield and the whole staff should be fired. So, um, it's just it's just ridiculous. I think last year. We uh we had a culture change here, and it went from and I'm not gonna say anything bad about Coach Petrino. He's he's been around. It was his third stint, second stint as head coach, right. third time around the program. Uh, I've had nothing but positive interaction. It absolutely shocked me to hear some of the things last year, such as the players saying they had never been to his office or they didn't feel welcome talking to him. Wow. Uh, that completely shocked me. But Coach Satterfield's. He he kind of reminds me of, of of Dabo a little bit. He's uh you know he he loves on his team as he likes to say, mm-hmm. and uh, 
I really feel like the reason why we did so well last year is because these guys who didn't have a lot of confidence or maybe felt like they, they weren't believed in suddenly felt that way. That that also leads to a big misnomer for this season. A lot of people are like, man, we're 1-3. We're I can't believe it. We, we should have won 10 games this year. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that any, I knew as soon as I saw the, the projections from the quote-unquote experts uh, here in, in Louisville on the Twitter that uh, they were going to be in for a letdown probably. But th- this team is full of talent. They're still trying to get things together. You can't fire coaches. That, to me, that's the biggest pet peeve I have. Two years into a, to a campaign, you want to fire the coaches. They haven't even had enough time to get all their guys in. They haven't sure. had enough time to implement their systems. Uh, it, it just gets on my nerves. But for everybody who thinks, well, I mean, th- this year has gone kind of like last year did uh, in, in some in some points because you could very easily say, okay, well, you know, we won eight games last year. Mm-hmm. But th- three of those games uh, against – we tried to give Boston College a win. They wouldn't take it, th- <laughs> thankfully. We tried to give – Virginia had a chance on the last play of the game to win that game or send it into overtime. I can't – I think it was the, to win the game. Uh, and there, there was one more and I don't, uh, oh, Wake Forest. I mean, we had the absolute wacky shootout with Wake Forest that they were ranked. We were unranked and it could have went any either way. So we could very easily be sitting here this year saying, well, you know, we went, we went five and, in in and seven last year and the ball didn't bounce our way so far this year. The ball's just not bouncing our way. Yeah. No, I, and I'm looking at the schedule and, you know, good win against Western Kentucky, nice opener. You know, Miami, I think, is better than most people would have predicted anyway. So that score, you know, is what it is. Pittsburgh, three-point game, I mean, right there. I think maybe the biggest head-scratcher might be Georgia Tech. I, I think they've had an interesting season up to this point with some, some what you think might be good wins and then some interesting losses as well. Um, how was... What were the thoughts coming after the Georgia Tech week? Because I think you can explain away Miami and Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? It, 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 Georgia Tech seems to be a little bit more of a head scratcher. Well, yeah. And let's go back to the Miami uh, game real quick. First off, a lot of people did not believe in Miami before that. And you can go go to the website. Obviously, I'm gonna do a cheap plug real quick. CardinalSportsZone.com. Go to the podcast uh, drop down menu. CSZ podcast. Check out that podcast. I said before the game. I said, look. It's not going to be an easy game to win. I do believe we win the game. This Miami team is going to be a top 10 team within a few weeks. And here we are. They are. I, I, I thought they were a really good team. I thought we were going to hang with them a little a little better. But the fact is, we, we gave up two plays worth 150 yards. Mm-hmm. That if we don't give those two plays yeah. up, that that's a tie ball game. And then maybe Mikel does it or Malik, whatever his name is this week. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, maybe he doesn't throw that sideline interception that sealed the game for him. That could have been a win. Mm-hmm. I think that's what frustrates Lil. We very easily could be sitting here four and zero right now. But the only problem is, is our defensive schemes mm-hmm. look so out of whack, and we're not playing. The, our offense is playing pretty good, other than the O line. It's we lost two NFL draft pick, or we we lost two NFL two picks to the NFL draft. Uh, with Mackay Becton, the big ticket, and Tyler Haycraft, I think he signed actually a free agent deal afterwards. But that's a that's a lot for a team 
to overcome. And I think everybody was just so excited about Dez and Tutu and, and Malik and Mikel and all of, just everybody that, that they were like, all right, this is what we're going to have a good season. And I still think we can have a good season. It's going to be a lot of work to finish uh, over 500 now with losing those uh, three games. But that's the first time that we've lost three games in the ACC. So it's, it, it, it's not, it, it's not the norm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And let, you mentioned some of those big names on offense. I want to touch on the offense here real quick. Um, as you mentioned, multiple first names, uh, last name Cunningham. Uh, where, <laughs> do you know which way we're going, uh, where we're at right now with him as far as his, his name choice? Okay, so you probably have just as good of a guess as I do. <laughs> uh, but on, on the depth chart, it says Malik. Okay. So I, I guess he's back to Malik. He, he oddly enough, and, and this sounds ridiculous, but one of our stat guys here in Louisville, his name's Kelly Dickey, put out a stat the other day. And as Malik Cunningham, he's nine and two, and as Mikel Cunningham, he's like two and nine. So back to Malik, back to Malik. Uh, but no, and, and I can't believe I overlooked this guy, but just JV and Hawkins, I, I love his game so much. He's another guy that that the that the Louisville fans were looking forward to, you know see and having a good sophomore year this year. And I, I think everybody still, I, I just think we live in the society right now, not to go off on a tangent. No, go but, ahead. But where everybody expects instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And if it don't go the way they want it to go, then it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Uh, I mean, JV and Hawkins is putting on a clinic and the poor guy fumbled for the first time in his career versus Georgia tech. And then Hassan Hall followed up right behind him on the next drive and fumbled it. And, and ESPN was like, oh, there's two for Hawkins today. So the poor guy couldn't even <laughs> shake the – he only had one fumble, but they kept trying to give every fumble on the field to him. So, <laughs> But he's a dynamic player. I, I don't know how much you've watched of Javian, but he is a highlight. Uh, they call him PlayStation because that's the way his moves are. So, Well, yeah, uh, he, he's averaging over 100 yards a game. I mean, yeah. five and a half yards a carry. He's got three scores already, along a 75. So that, that tells you he's got breakaway speed. Uh, you know, he, he does it between the tackles. Um, you know, clearly he's the guy in the run game. Yes, sir. Yeah. And this was the four, his fourth 150 yard game of his career. He became the 16th player in our school's history to reach 2000 career rushing yards. He's just, he's just a, he's, and it was his 10, let me add, it was his 10th 100 yard rushing game, uh, in only his 20th game. Wow. So, it's I know I know that's that's normal for some places down you know in the SEC and 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 other schools in our but for us that's that's not you know that's not we 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 have a we have a thousand yard rusher but it, it's not been to the you know he he broke the he broke the rushing record last single season rushing record uh, Tutu broke the uh, Tutu broke the single season uh, receiving. Uh, as a sophomore, the single season receiving yards record uh, that was held by Harry Douglas, former uh, Tennessee Titan Harry Douglas. So it, it's just we have the we have the weapons. Sure, just not really sure where to pinpoint. Other than like I said, the one side of the O line's a little new, 
the defense just has me all frustrated. I'll be sure. honest with you. Oh, we'll we'll get to the defense. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Cunningham, I mean, his numbers aren't bad. He's completing almost sixty percent of his passes. He's got nine touchdowns. I guess the problem would be the five interceptions, uh, and they don't sound like they come. At, not that an interception can come at an opportune time, but it sounds like it. It uh, you know they they come at times where they really don't need an interception. Absolutely, and and, and that. I'm not trying to jump the gun again, but that's another thing that's hurting Louisville. Louisville's normally a pretty good turnover team as far as forcing them, not making them. This year, we've only forced three turnovers, and we've committed 11. And a, and a lot of those that Malik are responsible for are rush judgment interceptions. Mm-hmm. Or, or There was one, and it wasn't even his fault against Miami. He was trying to throw the ball out of bounds, and somebody snagged it mm. and, and was able to toe touch in and, and get the uh, – get the uh, possession, but the pro- there's just something off with Malik this year, and I, I really cannot put my finger on it. There, were, there have been, through all four contests, a lot of errant passes, a lot of, uh, he's, I mean, Tutu cu- touch, Tutu's touchdown against Georgia Tech, he almost didn't get because it was overthrown so far. So, mm-hmm. and, and he he did that to Tutu versus uh, Pittsburgh, too. There was one he did overthrow Tutu, and that would have been the game-winning touchdown for Louisville. So, it's just, man, I've never, I've been a Louisville fan for uh, my whole life. And I've never had, I mean, we had the seasons when we were independent. And, uh, you know, ever since Coach Nell, Coach Nellberger uh, recruited me, he was not actually my coach. I did commit to him. Uh, Ron Cooper was my coach. But from that point forward, we built, you know, little by little, a pretty nice program here at Louisville. And since then, this is one of the most frustrating uh, other than Bobby Petrino's two and ten uh, <laughs> year, this is we have the talent. We should not be one and three right now. Right, and I think that's probably the most frustrating thing is yeah. the talent is there. And you know, speaking of talent, obviously Tutu Atwell, he's the go-to guy in the receiving core. Kind of talk about some of the other guys that uh, you know. Let let's let's pretend because we saw what happened last week against Florida State. Uh, Amari on Terry had a day against Notre Dame, so we'll pretend that they can take away Atwell. Uh, who else should Notre Dame fans be keeping an eye on in the receiving core? Well, for me, that that's an easy one. Most people are going to say, well, then it's Des Fitzpatrick on the other side. But I'm actually not going to go Des because I know that he's also he also has a lot of attention paid to him. But for me, it's it's uh, it's Braden Smith. He's a guy. He's a transfer, I believe, from North Carolina. He's come up uh, big for us. He had over 100 yards receiving against Western Kentucky. He's come in and made some key third down catches for us this year. That's the guy that I would. That's 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 the one that I would most definitely say. Okay, if Tutu and Dez are locked up this game, he's going to be the one leading the charge. Okay, very very good. Um, offensive line. You, you said uh, you know the, the line lost a couple of guys to the NFL. Uh, <laughs> the big side kind of says it all. But what what are your thoughts on the offensive line so far this year? Well, and I don't. You don't ever want to. You know, we get the privilege of being able to cover these these athletes, and sometimes we we forget that okay, they're still kids. Sure. So I don't. I don't want to sit here and run nobody down. Oh, for sure. Uh, but with that being said, uh, Cole Bentley, Caleb Chandler, Robbie Bell have done. They have been mainstays. You know, Bell and Bentley are seniors. Chandler's a junior. The only problem is, is we have some fresh guys at the other. Uh, we have a redshirt freshman in Renato Brown who's just getting in there. 
Uh, we've got a junior and Adonis Boone that had some experience last year when uh, Makai went down. But other than that, you know that that's the, that's your tackles, and and you to, to be somehow we're still able to run the ball really well with our tackles, uh, not playing as well as we thought they would play this year. But it's a solid like when we did our preview show, uh, my guy Dalton, who's our recruiting expert, asked me. He's like, "Are you afraid of the offensive line?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not worried at all about the offensive line because it's really solid there." But uh, you know, with the guards in the center. And, and Adonis came up big at the end of the year last year. But it's just, that's the weak spot right now. Malik's not having enough time to throw the ball. He's he's uncharacteristically just out there. Very, very twitchy, maybe. I don't know what I don't know what you would call it. But it, there's a lot of times, you could, if you just go back and watch the times he's thrown the ball this year, it, he's thrown a lot. He's overthrown. I saw him throw one ball against Georgia Tech where he's trying to Throw it to Dez. He overthrew Dez by about ten yards distance wise, but threw it about twenty yards up in the air. It just it was like a lame duck type throw. It was yeah. just I, I don't know. I really don't know what how to explain Malik's uh problems this year. But we have we have Jawan Pass. We've got Evan sure. Conley. We got T Webb. I mean, we have if Malik just needs a game off to to gain his composure back. Juwan Pass could do the job. I mean, he's the only quarterback we've had here at Louisville the past couple seasons. He's got five 300-yard passing games. I don't believe Malik Stone for 300 yards yet. So I'm I'm at the point now to where I've given Malik the benefit of the doubt through the first four games. Let's see if Juwan could come in and mix it. He's healthy. He's eligible to play. He did well against Notre Dame last year. I mean, he yeah. did have some problems fumbling the ball late, which is what ultimately – and unfortunately for me, gave you all the win. Uh, but yeah, he was very, very sloppy with the ball out. But you can always attribute that to nerves, first game jitters. Uh, it's Notre Dame at home opening up the season yeah, on Labor Day. Right. You know, it's it was a big deal. I remember it was very, very big deal. So let let's go to your favorite subject. Well, let's talk about the defense. Um, a couple of numbers here. They're giving up just shy of 400 yards of total offense. Uh, 233 yards passing and 156 on the ground, giving up 17 total touchdowns up to this point. Uh, you know, six yards of play, blah, blah, blah. The numbers aren't <laughs> terrible, but, uh, and, and everybody has to remember, of course, the defense is still recovering from our, our mutual friend, Brian Van Gorder, um, <laughs> I think you'd get that response from all the Notre Dame fans too. <laughs> but uh, you know, he he generally has he he leaves his defenses uh in great shape. Uh and so I know that they're still reeling from when he was there and you know, I expected them, you know, that they took a nice step forward last year. I expected another step forward this year and I don't think that has quite happened at least in the first 4 games. So Let's start overall your thoughts on the defense, and then we'll start moving into you know the defensive line. Well, I, I know you're expecting this very intricate, long, drawn out <laughs> type of statement here, but it's it, it's plain and simple. We're not tackling anybody. Yeah, the the guy the, they're breaking through the defensive, which our defensive line is a little little undersized, but we do thank goodness we have player recruits coming in that's supposed to fix supposed to fix that, mm -hmm. uh, but. I think the biggest problem for last year is that those guys that were seniors, that was their fourth defensive coordinator in four years. Yeah. That's tough for anybody. Oh, for sure. Um, 
I remember in high school, I mean, I had, I had two different offensive coordinators in my four years in high school. And luckily the second one liked to target the tight end. So I loved him. I didn't like the first one too much. Uh, but you know, it was, a, it was a lot to, I was just used to being out there and blocking and all of a sudden, Hey, you can catch passes too. So it's like, so, but back to the defensive side of the ball there, you know, that is the, the I, I'm just, I'm just befuddled because we're the, where you can tell I'm tripping up on my words. I'm just that frustrated with our defense because <laughs> our offense is put, we have won the total yard battle all four games. Uh, we're averaging 440 yards of offense per game right. under Scott Satterfield. Uh, the time of possession, we have won three out of the four games. And against Miami, we, we won it by 16 minutes against uh, Georgia Tech. I believe it was 12 and a half minutes. Why? What's the problem? Yeah. Here's the problem. We're staying on the defense is getting scored on so quick. The offense <laughs> can't match it every single every time down the field. And then you get a, a good long drawn out defensive stop, and then the offense goes three and out. So yeah. I mean, they're just they're just a plethora of issues going on right now. It just sounds like they're not on the same page. You know what I mean? Um, offense and defense. So. Let's start with the defensive line. You said they're they're undersized. You know, I'm looking at the uh, the, the sack totals for the season: seven sacks through four games, not terrible. Um, so, how's this uh, defensive line shaping up? Well, I, there's a lot of potential there, and when everybody likes to throw in the towel and say, "Oh, well, it's this season's over with," it's stupid and all that stuff. I'm like, no, it's not over with. Right. Let's just say we're case scenario we're not going to have a good season this year we're going to have a lot of the bright side of it is we're going to give a lot of guys playing time and experience for next year and you always hate to move on to next year and i'm not in my mind but i'm just trying to explain to all the uh morons on twitter and that's what sometimes the truth hurts man yeah i get sometimes it it does sometimes it does but but no you just by looking at the stats and i haven't pulled up in front of me our leading tackler has 27 total tackles on the year right. in four games. This is the same guy that averaged about nine, uh, nine and a half tackles per game last year. The next guy's got 24. The reason why they don't have that many tackles is nobody's tackling anybody. Mm-hmm. So they're getting a, they're getting through the D line. The line, uh, <laughs> I, I just I, I let just tackle people. Right. Yeah. They, being. <laughs> Being in, I'm sorry that sounds so elementary, but it, it, it's yeah. the truth. Just tackle them. No, oh, no, I've I've seen it as a coach a million times. You know, you're in position. You know, the guys are in position to make a tackle, and then they just don't make a tackle, and it's it's extremely frustrating because all you it's is you know you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? It's like you can you can set them up in the right place, but you can't make them tackle, and it's very very frustrating. I get it, believe me. Uh, or against or against Miami, if you saw the two plays where they went one uh, one play for seventy five yards each time, sometimes you don't even guard the guy at all. You yeah. just let him run down the field. Yeah, you know, makes it a little bit easier, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, any, anybody the Irish fan should be looking out for in the linebacking core. Uh, well, and this is going to sound political, and you know the safe bet, but Dorian Etheridge uh, and Nick Okiki, they are our defense, you know, our leaders from mm-hmm. that position. Out of, I would say they are, have been our strength so far on defense. Okay. They have, uh, you know, we have, I'm trying to get these stats pulled up as we're talking. I'm trying to be very, very professional here for you. Uh, <laughs> no, you're doing but, uh, but no, uh, 
that's where that's where they're stopping. When when we are successful on defense, it's because our linebackers have have been able to stuff the run. But the problem is, is that we don't stuff the run that much. But those are the guys. Back to your first question. I'm sure we'll get to the other part in a minute. But Nick Okiki, uh, Dorian Ethers, th- those are the guys to watch for. Gotcha, gotcha. Now the, the secondary, I only one interception so far on the season. Hmm. Um, and I, I can imagine when you talked about the fact that you, you're not getting the takeaways, but you're turning the ball over. The lack of interceptions, I would imagine, is something that sticks out. So, and that that one interception is by C.J. Avery, uh, number nine. He's the second leading tackler as well. Two tackles for loss. Uh, so. Uh, you know, secondary. Who who are we looking out for in the secondary? Uh, well, the referee. That's who you're gonna look out for in the secondary. Because Vince, I, I'm gonna tell you this much: in order to get interceptions, you have to be able to cover the guys that that you're playing against. I believe Louisville through and through, but I have never seen such a uh, aberration in the backfield. And I'm not gonna pick on anybody in particular. Because that's what the folks down in Lexington do. That's not how we roll here. But uh, just overall, the, the secondary play has been very, very uh, deflating. It's it's just you see, guy. Like we get we in the in the we get them to third down, and then there's a 17 yard completion up the middle to somebody who's not even being guarded. So yeah. I, I I really if I had to. P- put me on the spot here and that's fine because I'm prepared and I, I, I like that kind of stuff, <laughs> but, um, defensively Rajay Burns. Okay. And he's also, he's also a danger in the return game as well. He's our, he's our return guy. So, okay, well good. That, that sets us up perfectly to, to talk about the, the, the special teams in the return game. And, and so is he, you think he's special back there returning kicks? Well, he has been in the past. Mm-hmm. This year, he's only had three. Uh, he's our punt returner. Hassan Hall, which is our running back, is our kickoff returner. Okay. So he he does, uh, in prior seasons, he has been a very, very, uh, he's been a, a great asset to have in the return game. He's returned uh, a couple of for, uh, punts for touchdowns. He's dangerous every time he touches the ball. Uh, this year, he's not really had the opportunity. <laughs> We've not made anybody punt. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he's had three opportunities. Uh, we, so, but the, as far as in Hassan Hall, he's he, last year, he had kickoff, multiple kickoff returns, uh, for touchdowns as well. So, uh, well, he's got one not, for 42 yards already this year. So he, right. he's obviously explosive. Right. Well, he, yeah. And the, the one he had against Miami was for 26 yards. That's nothing, that's nothing to scoff at, uh, itself, but. It's just we we got to get in a rhythm. The biggest thing is we've got to find we got to get in rhythms. I still have faith that this team, uh, is a good team, and I feel like, well, I feel like pretty much anybody that wants to play in a bowl this year is going to be invited to play in a bowl this That's, year, no matter yeah, good point what your record is. So I do believe this is a bowl team, uh, <laughs> but I believe it's going to be a team that at the end of the year you you see five win Louisville put up against seven win. Uh, Ole Miss, well, they wouldn't do that because I, I think that's who we start the season off with next year. But uh, a, a, a Tennessee, seven-win Tennessee, and Louisville beats them soundly because they have the talent. This should be a team. Before the season started, I predicted that we would take two losses. I predicted we would take a seven-point loss to you all and that we would probably drop 
Uh, oh no, I, I predicted Pitt. And okay. Everybody on everybody on the podcast here was like, oh, "We're not losing to Pitt. What's special about Pitt?" <laughs> well, first off, they play in one of the greatest NFL stadiums uh, of all time, Heinz Field. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. Which your boy Chase Claypool showed oh, out this week. You're not kidding. Four touchdowns. Holy moly, man! That that, that was a uh, that was special to watch. That but was. I only wish I could have been there the weekend before, but they weren't allowing fans in. Ah. Uh. I could have I could have watched the Steelers play on Sunday and Louisville play on Saturday. I would have been aggravated about the Louisville result, but <laughs> nevertheless. But we just gotta, you know. I thought this was a two loss team. I we're coming up on a pretty, you know, we're sitting here at three losses, and we have the toughest stretch of the season coming up: Notre Dame, FSU, Virginia Tech. And I know a lot of people are like, "Well, FSU is only tough by name only," but you can't ever underestimate a team that is a They've got the history and the backstory sure. that FSU has at any, and their starting quarterback now is a guy that transferred from Louisville because he couldn't get playing time. Yeah, so that's that's going to be a game that's going to be closer than everybody uh, everybody expects it to be because he's going to be playing hard. We're going to be playing hard, and it's just I I don't know what to do. I, I want you to tell me what to do to to, to get this team going back. What well, I know you won't tell me this game, but after this game. <laughs> You let me know what we got to do to get things uh, back on track because I'm tired of it. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think Satterfield's a good coach, and I yeah. I, I do uh, I envy you guys in that regard. I think he's a very very good coach, and I think that he will get it turned around eventually uh, because it is a little head scratching. Like I said earlier, I mean there there's talent on this team, and uh, I think it is it's that there's opportunity to turn it around. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I think Satterfield has the chops to make that happen. So. It's probably not going to be as fast as the folks you, you you know all of your listeners and things down there want it to be. Uh, but well, no, my listeners are are very. It's the morons on Twitter. <laughs> Good point. Good. I'm point. not gonna. I'm not giving them any benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna call them morons, and they're gonna give me crap about it, and we'll laugh about it. But no, it's the people that are overthink that. Every year they pick their favorite teams in every sport to go undefeated, and the first time they lose a game, it's like fire everybody. Of course, that you can't do that. I mean. Scott Satterfield has coached 16 games at Louisville. We have already upped uh, upped our offensive production from when Petrino was here the second time. Sure, uh, we've went over 600 yards twice in total offense and 500 yards six times. That's half the games that we put up the kind of uh, yards that we put up the first time Petrino was here. It's odd referencing him on both ends of that like that. Satterfield's a rush first uh, quarter uh, coach, so. Uh, you can tell that just by the formations he runs out of. It's very frustrating as a fan to watch every first down and know it's going to be that little run up to the left side of the field, and then you get stopped, and then we we end up playing from behind the whole time. But I have complete faith in Coach Satterfield. I, I love the way that he treats his players. I love the way that he coaches the game. And so far, there's not been any kind of integrity issues as far as yeah. uh, you know if we've been used to here in the past. So... I'm all for it. I, I'm willing to give Coach Satterfield two more, after this at least two more years before sure. I'm sitting here saying, well, maybe we can find somebody better. Because the fact of the matter is, you can't turn around a sunk ship. We went two and ten. Yeah. That everybody points to. Well, last year we well yeah last year we could have very easily like as I said earlier, only had four wins. We had some 
ball, uh, no pun intended, we had some balls bounce the, the opposite direction, and, mm-hmm. and we were able to pull off a couple wins that we maybe shouldn't have pulled off. I mean, the, again, the Wake Forest, Boston College, that game last year reminded me of the Miami game this year because they had they had th- uh, four plays that went for 60 yards, and it was just straight pitch and catch to the tight end that was wide open down the sideline. So we tried to give those games away, and the intangibles allowed us to pull up, but but we're literally three or four plays away from being like, oh man, Satterfield sucks. It's two years in a row. We've <laughs> only got one win, and blah 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 blah. You know, I just I guess because I'm a former player, I have a little bit more patience than sure. than, than your normal person who just watches the game, sure, and and never played it. Well, it, it's tough to come in and change the culture, change the offensive scheme, the defensive scheme. You know, just clean up. You know, the mess. Frankly, yeah. that that. That was there. I mean, there, there was a reason there was a coaching change, right? I mean, so it, it takes time to get the right players involved and to, you know, clear out maybe some guys that don't want to be involved, et cetera. And, you know, that's not overnight. And people need to understand that for sure. Um, let, let's end on a happy note here. What what are some keys to the game that, you know, uh, for Louisville to be successful when they visit Notre Dame on Saturday? Well, this is fairly easy. For Louisville to be successful on Saturday um, – we would like to ask for Notre Dame to please stay on the bus. Uh, it's no, I'm just I'm just giving my guys a hard time. I think if if Louisville can establish the run mm-hmm. and get more turnovers than they give up, obviously sure. this is the the John Madden analogy. As long as you score more points than the other team, you'll be successful. Um, but it it really is that simple. I'm. We're, we're not on the same level as Notre Dame is right now, but we're not far behind. And that sure. says a lot seeing that, that Notre Dame's the, the number fourth ranked team in the country. Uh, I feel like we could be in a similar position. Something's not clicking. Yeah. We need for that to click, whether it be uh, – I thought you said this was going to be a happy ending. This is not happy. <laughs> Well, I was hoping. Talking about my childhood in South Bend, that would have been happy. This well, is we were going to we were going to get there. Don't worry. Okay, we're going to get. Well, you there. said happy ending, so I thought uh, that's, that's what I was thinking. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> bad, bad phraseology on my part. Um, so, are you going to be making it up for the game uh, on Saturday? I'm not because they did not honor my my uncle and cousins have had season tickets for Notre Dame for over seventy years. Yeah, um, this has been. My uncle, he's passed away, but he passed the tickets on to his sons. Uh, his son gave me the tickets the last time we were like 10 rows up diagonally in the end zone. Nice. I was right there to see the field go. Uh, if there hadn't been a net, the field go that was missed at the end of the game to give us the win would have landed right in my lap. Uh, <laughs> I literally was sitting there like, well, great. This game's over with. I, I was one of those guys. that I was one of the Twitter morons that day. I was like, <laughs> man, it sucks. We're going to lose the game. Drove all the way up here, but I will say this: that was one of the most amazing weekends I'd had in a long time. They, uh, the the Louisville Alumni Association, set up a uh, a dinner, a, a party at the at the minor league baseball field. Oh, so we, nice! We we're, we were able to sit there in, in the uh, the plaza area, and, and it it was snowing, so it was it was good that. But watch the game out on the big screens. Uh, the basketball game. Our Louisville played basketball the night before. Gotcha. So they put them up on the big screens outside. We had a little little party, had a good time. And then the next day we went and visited all the great sites. I mean, if, if you're a college football fan, you have to make the trip to Notre Dame at least once. It's it's It, I, it truly left me with a feeling when I left. I was like, game aside, I was like, that's – 
other it's right up there for me. I'm a wrestling fan, so I was like, man, that's right up there with going to WrestleMania. I went to <laughs> WrestleMania. I got to do that. I was like, I think I've had a pretty good sports life. Yeah. So, well, yeah. There, there. I mean, I'm 100% biased, but there, there's nothing like a Notre Dame, you know, home game Saturday, and uh, with everything that's going on right now, certainly not the same as it normally is. So you're not really missing out on that front. I can promise you that. It walking up to the stadium uh, two weeks ago when I went to the game, it was uh, it was like a Wednesday, you know, in. May right. you know what I mean so it yeah. was it's it's not the same but at least we get to watch a little bit of football this year I mean we're all pretty thankful for that I, I'm just I, I'm thankful for the trip that I went up there that I that I got told welcome to Notre Dame 4,134 times <laughs> that's awesome. it was they were very well no I'm exaggerating a little bit obviously but very welcoming it, it was and of course I I had spent my my summers in South Bend for several years growing up that's where my grandma and grandpa woman uh lived and that's where my, my dad's side of the family lived. So I always knew that when we there I don't know where the rumors came from, but like for the weeks leading up it was like watch out and I had I got I almost sounded like a Notre Dame fan. I was like, you all don't know what you're talking about if you think it's gonna be a bad atmosphere up there. Yeah. Nicest people on earth. Uh biased or not, it's just the truth. And that's the same way uh it is if you come to a Louisville game They'll treat you right. They'll give you some barbecue. They'll give you some bourbon, and, and you'll be taken care of. Awesome. That sounds like a trip I need to make then. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hit me up. You got somewhere to stay, too. Awesome. So. I appreciate it, Jeremy. That is awesome. So uh, let's wrap it up, man. Thanks for joining me on the Opponents Insider podcast today. Why don't, why don't you let everybody know uh, where they can find your work, your Twitter handle, etc.? Absolutely. Well, you can find, uh, obviously, you can go to cardinalsportzone.com to check out all of our stories. We're going to have a lot of good stuff on Notre Dame this week. We did a QA and a with, uh, with Brian Driscoll, and he is uh, he, he was not afraid. Uh, our guys came up with some good questions, and he was not afraid to clap back at him a little bit, which I love because that's what I do all the time. <laughs> that's great. Uh, but go that'll be up sometime today. Uh, check out the the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast. We focus on Notre Dame and uh, and Georgia Tech. This we spent very little time trashing Georgia Tech, and <laughs> the rest of the time telling everybody how Notre Dame was going to beat us by four or five touchdowns this weekend. So, uh, and that shocks me too. Real quick before I before I finish yeah. telling everybody, you I don't know if it's coach speak or if y'all are just trying to be nice, but everybody from Notre Dame that I've talked to or heard from, including. I haven't heard from him, but Brian Kelly put out a post today, like basically saying what I said. Louisville's a better team than the record indicated. Um, I, I, I agree with that, but I think we're absolutely going to get smacked this weekend. <laughs> but to check out that, you can check out that next week because we're going to be doing a podcast uh, shortly after the game Saturday, uh, wrapping up the Notre Dame game at cardinalsportzone.com. Uh, on Twitter, you can find the website at cardsportzone.com zone because twitter's stupid and only lets you have so many letters for your username <laughs> and me i'm at jeremy underscore csz excellent man i appreciate it again that's jeremy Wallman, who is the editor at cardinalsportszone.com and the host of the csz podcast next up on notre dame schedule is the first road game of the year believe it or not because they had to cancel wake forest a couple of weeks ago but uh, first road game they're gonna head to pittsburgh your spot they're going to head to Pittsburgh, Heinz Field, take on the Pitt Panthers, and uh, we'll talk about that show or that game on the next show on Wednesday. So until then, thanks for joining me on this edition of the Opponents Insider Podcast.